It has already been a wonderful morning, and I just want to look out to see all the beautiful dresses and sharp suits that are out among us and bow ties and colors, and it is absolutely wonderful to be able to gather together and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? And you may have had this tension in your soul this week. Maybe you had it this morning, and you may have asked yourself this question, why Do we really just take one day out of the year to celebrate the resurrection? Should we not every day celebrate the resurrection? And the answer to that question is yes, absolutely. Every day we should celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But today acts as like an anniversary for us. It's where once again, we can come and we can remember that early in the morning, he rose, he defeated the grave, he defeated death, he has victory and we have victory through him. And so as you've come this morning and as we have together sang these songs and we have witnessed baptism and thank you to all who have been a part this morning, to those who are singing here up on stage, thank you and to all all of you who lifted up your voices to the Lord, what a privilege it is that we can sing and praise him. And if you come in here and you said, you know what, I just really need to be revived. I really need uh, some Jesus juice flowing through my veins. I need to be uh, awakened uh, so that when I go through each and every day, this resurrection of Jesus Christ is real for me. And let that be today. Let that be today. So settle in and prepare our hearts and prepare our ears to receive the word. May it sink deep into our hearts this morning. Let's ask God's blessings on the reading of his word and our time in the message. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we can gather together as the church. And Lord, that we can celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lord, he indeed is risen. He is at your right hand. Christ Jesus, thank you for being our mediator. Even at this moment, this prayer is going through you to the Father. It is the only way possible that I can call upon you, Father. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you for saving us by your good work. And thank you for defeating death, defeating sin, and how we can have victory through you and through you alone. So Father, may that be clear today where we struggle to believe in the resurrection and where we only find ourselves maybe acknowledging it or maybe we're just all out rejecting it. Father, pierce our hearts with the word today. Draw our eyes to Jesus. May we rejoice in the resurrection of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. About three years into our marriage, my wife walks into the house with a new set of cups. and she called my name and she said, hey, come into the kitchen. I want you to see this, this new set of cups that I've gotten, there are about eight of them. And she places them on the counter and she says, hey, what do you think? And my first response was, babe, they're turquoise. And she was like, I know they're turquoise, they're cute. And I'm like, I don't know if they're really cute. And then it had this weird design on the outside, this weird texture. And I said, I don't know if I really like that either. And then my next question was, What's wrong with the cups we already have? They're nice and broken in. Yes, I'll admit that at the top of the rim, they're kind of warped through many days of washing, but they're just fine. We don't need any new cups. And she says, no, it's time to replace these old cups. In fact, I've already thrown them out. You've thrown them out? I mean, at that moment, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. We were supposed to discuss these things. And she says, but no, you're, you're really going to enjoy these cups. I just know it through time. And 
this past week, I noticed when I reached into the cabinet, I reached for a good old turquoise cup. And uh, I have my favorite sports cups through many sporting events that I've gone to that I could draw from and get some water and they would work just fine. Or I'd have a Tervis cup or um, a Yeti or whatever other gifts I've been given in, in the past. They're great cups. They really are. But I find myself every day, I kid you not, reaching for one of these cups. In fact, we use these all the time. I left the house this morning because I was rejoicing in the resurrection. That's how we leave the house right there. Rejoicing in the resurrection. And, and I left the cup and and we were in community group and I said, Curry, I left the cup. I was going to use that this morning. And she says, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll get it covered. And she happens to go in the car and we have one in there, right? So she, she left it on the front row. What an amazing, beautiful wife. And, and I say that she's not even in here. She's amazing. She is beautiful. And uh, she's taking care of some kids across the way. But back to the story. Um, so I reached for the cup and I thought, man, these cups are great. I use them every day. But I know there's going to be a day. And my sweet, beautiful wife walks in and she's going to say, hey, Brian, come to the kitchen. I got to show you something. And there's going to be some new cups. And my first response is going to be, but babe, they're not turquoise. They're not turquoise. They're not our cups that we've grown used to. And already this, this rim right here is getting a little warped. And I know that that day is coming, but you know what? It's going to be okay. We're, we're going to make it because it's just a cup. I mean, there are many other cups with many other designs that work just fine. As long as we can put it under the fountain and receive our water and go throughout the day, we're good. But yet the problem is when we treat Jesus like this. Jesus is good for a season in our life. And we say, man, Jesus, you're wonderful. But then all of a sudden changes in, in our lives. And we want to put Jesus aside and put a pseudo savior in his place. A savior that maybe will fit more of our ideas more of our daily practice, a savior that maybe doesn't require as much from us. And we say, you know what, this, this religion over here is good, or this ideology over here is good, or this person over here in this relationship is really good. I think I'm just going to put all of my attention and focus on them for now. Surely Jesus will understand. But when it comes to a savior, there is no replacement. There's no replacement for Jesus in fact, I love the, the shirt uh, that I've seen my kids wear this past week, and i got to give credit to Art and Soul. But on the front it says, there's no bunny like Jesus. That'll preach right there. You know what I'm saying? Don't get convicted. Come on, man. It's cute. It's cute. There is. There's no bunny. There's no body like Jesus. But yet, we put many bodies in place of Jesus. We put many things in place of Jesus. Maybe that's where we are today. Maybe that's where you are. And I hope that today this is challenging for you because here's the question, and this is the question that we're seeking to answer as we've gathered together. Do you truly believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? And before you're quick to say yes, hear the next part. Or do you simply acknowledge that Jesus lived on earth and that, yeah, he rose from the grave? I acknowledge that. That's good. But has it changed your life? Many of us are, have been raised in the local church. Joby said it this morning it, that a lot of us are, are raised in the South, we're raised in the Bible Belt. We come up and we don't remember a day when we haven't heard about Jesus rising from the grave, but that doesn't mean we believe it. We just acknowledge it. We acknowledge it just like we acknowledge many other things in our lives, many other beliefs and practices. But do you truly believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Because if you only simply acknowledge that Jesus rose from the grave, then you will surely replace him as savior in your life with other man-made saviors. 
It will happen. In fact, it's, it's already happened in your life. And, but if you truly believe that Jesus Christ rose from the grave, then you will trust him as savior of your life every day, forever. Yes, there will be struggles. There will be temptations to walk away, but yet Christ remains your savior. He remains your focus because you truly believe in the resurrection of Christ. And so you may ask this question right now, how do I know? How do I know if I truly believe or if I've just acknowledged? Well, hang in here and let's find an answer to your question. So Matthew 28 is where we will be today. I invite you to open up there in the Bible, Matthew 28, the first of the gospels, first in the New Testament, Matthew 28, uh, starting in verse one. And we're looking at the resurrection of Jesus. And if you do not have a Bible today or you were just in a hurry and you were so excited about celebrating the resurrection today, you forgot your Bible at home, reach in front to the Pew Bible there and turn with us to Matthew 28, verses one through 10. And in fact, if you'd like a page number, it is page 835. Let us read the word together. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. As he said, come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly, tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Why didn't Mary arrive at the tomb with an expectation that it would be empty. She was completely caught off guard because when she arrived, the tomb was empty. Why was the tomb empty? Because Jesus had risen. The angel said, he is not here for he has risen as he said. So Jesus had already previously mentioned that he was gonna rise from the dead. How did Mary miss this? She followed Jesus and listened to his teaching and commands. Did she not hear him say that he would be killed and on the third day be raised? I mean, even the Pharisees took hold of this as we see in Matthew 27, 62 and 63. After Jesus has already died, they go to Pilate. This is their request. The next day, that is after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, sir, we remember how the imposter said, while he was still alive, after three days, I will rise. Isn't that something that these who yelled crucified, these who wanted him dead, yet still feared that maybe, just maybe, he could rise from the dead? Or somebody may come and steal his body and it may look like he rose from the dead. 
And so we're going to put guards there. We're going to put guards to protect this tomb so that there will be no possible way that Jesus can rise, no possible way that someone could come in and steal his body. But yet these guards themselves at the resurrection of Jesus Christ were terrified and they fainted. And so Mary shows up with another Mary, some other women, and they notice that the tomb is empty and yet they were not expecting this resurrection. And what about his disciples? Why were they not with Mary? Why did they not arise early in the morning and race to the tomb? To receive the evidence that Christ would fulfill his word. What's going on here? Did they not take Jesus serious enough? Or did they so badly want their own way that they weren't willing to accept God's plan? Meaning they wanted him to establish his kingdom on earth right then, right there. And because he didn't do that, now they didn't want to have any part and didn't even want to think that there could be a resurrection. Or was the crucifixion so horrific that it demolished any hope in their hearts for a resurrection to take place? Or was it because they simply were not the most educated ones they were just fishermen. They didn't have great jobs that required an intelligent mind. And so maybe they just weren't the brightest among the bunch. I truly believe that it's not any of these reasons, but that they were mourning the death of Christ. And they were scared of the uncertainty of what lay before them. They had been walking with Christ for three years. And now they're by themselves the last they had seen was Christ torn open, bloodied, beaten, dead, and now placed in a tomb. Surely it's over. No matter what he said, there's no way he is coming back from this. That's what's heavy upon their hearts, I truly believe. So in short, these disciples, they enjoyed a relationship with Jesus he came to them and he received them. He spent time with them and he knew them and they got to know him. They had a relationship and now this relationship appeared to be broken, cut off forever. How is this possible that in the first place they could ever have a relationship? Here's why, because God desires to have a relationship with his people. He's not a God that stood far off in judgment, always mad because we goof things up with our sin. And maybe that's how you picture God right now, that he's angry with you, that he doesn't want to have anything to do with you because of sin in your life. But yet he came to us in the form of Christ Jesus because he wants to have a relationship with us. He was willing to get his hands dirty and rub elbows with his creation in order to make many people a new creation. All the while allowing the world to see what God looks like in the flesh. So you may say, it should be nice if I could have been there on resurrection morning, that I could have seen the empty tomb. It would have been wonderful to be able to see that, to behold the empty tomb. It would have been nice if I could have seen Jesus in the flesh would have been nice if I could see Jesus today. And yet you can see Christ Jesus today among his church, his witnesses. And we are here today gathered to celebrate and to worship that he is risen and he is alive. 
But flashing back, they were greatly saddened because their time with Jesus was like none other. And now it appeared to be over. But I recognize this, the end of sin brings forth death. So in order for his people to be delivered from eternal death, Jesus had to come and die. No other option, no other plan. So if you've been thinking this whole time that Jesus was defeated on the cross, you have it all wrong. Understand that Jesus defeated sin on the cross. Jesus gave himself to be put on the cross. Jesus didn't try to resist in the garden. He gave himself over. This bewildered the disciples. Maybe this was going through their minds too. How could he just so easily give up and give his life? Because that's why he came in the first place. Because with sin, we have no chance no chance. Our only chance is what Christ Jesus did. And it gives us more than a chance. It gives us life eternally. And so Jesus came, he carried out the father's plan and it was finished. Everyone in the room say finished, finished. finished. It's finished. It's done. Remind, remind yourselves of that this week. When you're thinking, I got to do more for God to love me. I got to do more for God to hear my prayers. No, what you need to do more of is remind yourself that it is finished and Christ did it all. That's what we need to remember. So how do we know that it is finished? Jesus rose from the grave. That's how we know. The approval of the father is seen in the resurrection of the son. It's done. There's no reason for him to remain on this earth. He had come to do his work and now he is seated at the right hand of the throne of the father. And so Mary and the women at the tomb, along with the disciples, needed to be reminded of God's plan. And today, as we've gathered together, we need to be reminded of God's plan. So what a great day that we set aside a resurrection Sunday, that we can be inspired, that we can be challenged, that we can be refreshed. Or maybe for you today, you can be born again through Christ Jesus and you can begin to live this resurrected life. And so with the resurrection, it was necessary. There was no other option. In fact, this was planned before God ever said, let there be light. So it wasn't a plan B, plan C, plan D along the way. God just trying to make up something to fit. He's always had this plan from eternity past. And so we ask this question, does the resurrection really matter to you? Does it really matter? When was the last time you just praise God that, Christ rose from the grave. When's the last morning that you woke up and you said, it is a new day. Thank you, God, for this day. And I have power through Christ Jesus because he rose from the grave. Does resurrection really matter? Because there are many things that we encounter in life. And I could begin to give a list that deals with your job, that deals with your hobbies, that deals with your family, that become more of a big deal than Jesus rising from the grave. So, Ask yourself this question, does the resurrection really matter to you? You see, we could come back with, you know what? It matters, but if I could just experience Jesus with my senses, with my eyes, with my ears, if I could just smell his fragrance, if I could just touch. I mean, if, if I could just sense Jesus, then I would believe I need to see but faith is not seeing, it is believing. It is believing in what has already happened before us. And to consider this, that for 2000 years, there have been faithful witnesses who have gone forth and reached other people that they could be faithful witnesses to come together and say, Jesus has risen. 
But before then, if you consider it maybe just 4,000 years before that, there have been faithful witnesses all along the way that through God's grace, they were looking forward to the resurrection. So for 6,000 years, God's been doing a work and maybe he's been doing it longer than that. You historians, don't give me a hard time. Now ain't the time, all right? But for thousands of years, there we go. There have been faithful witnesses. God at work from the very beginning and continuing on to this day. And so, does the resurrection really matter to you? Although you cannot see, although you cannot hear, although you cannot touch Jesus physically, do you hear these words? Do you look to the Bible and do you trust them as God's word? And will you follow Christ? So what can we see? Well, here's what we can see. We can see the world he created. Man is very crafty and trying to explain away God, but the more we can see out into space and be wowed by it, we go, come on, God, God created all this. He was showing off. This was easy for him. This didn't happen by accident. God had a plan this whole time. When you read the Bible from start to finish, when you read it, the whole thread of the gospel, it makes sense of why we're broken, why we're so messed up, and why we don't want to give God credit for the world in which he created We want to take credit for ourselves. We want to explain this world without the one who created it. But indeed, he created a world, and we can see it as we walk out of these doors. We can see it when we look to the left and the right, looking at one another today. We experience the pleasures and difficulties of this world through our senses. You can uh, go on vacation, and you can experience the pleasures of beauty, of walking on the sand and hearing the waves or being in the mountains or walking through a jungle, which I think would be a cool vacation to go through the jungle. And you can experience these things. And yet you go, I believe it. I've been there. I know it exists. I walked on those beaches or I climbed that mountain. I've seen these things. And yet we also behold the new creation. Whether you realize it or not, you behold God's new creation, not only the old creation, but the new creation, those people who he has redeemed for himself, those who are his children, who he has made to to love and to care for. He sent his shepherd to gather up his sheep. It's the church. Church, not the building, not with the carpet, not with the brick, not talking about a church building. We're talking about the church, those who have been redeemed by Christ Jesus. When you behold those who walk in Christ, you are beholding the new creation. Those who have been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so we do have evidence before us today. Where we struggle with this evidence is because the church is not always a good example of the resurrected Christ. We struggle with that. You say, I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of Christians in my day and I hope Jesus isn't like that. Hey, when we're at our worst, me too. And even when we're at our best, we can expect Jesus to be so much better. But yeah, the church is the evidence that Christ is alive, that we have this message among us. And so we bear the evidence of Jesus Christ. And would you believe that the same power that resurrected Christ from the dead is the same power that lives within Christ's followers today. It's the very same power. Romans 8, 11, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through whose spirit, his spirit who dwells in you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit that lives among Christians or within Christians today. 
Ephesians 1, 19 and 20, we, we read of the immeasurable greatness of his power. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So Christian, church, today you have the immeasurable greatness of his power within you. You say, oh, I need more. Fill me up. No, you just need to rely on that power every day. And remember that this power is in you because Christ rose from the grave. This hope is through the resurrection. And so read with me, if you will, 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9. Normally, it's our practice to take a passage like we started here in Matthew 28, 1 through 10, and just break that apart and, and teach it in its fullest meaning in the time that we're allotted. Today, I want to use that, but then also come over to a supporting text, 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9, and more so break this one apart. 1 Peter 1, 3 or verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him, and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So what I'd like to do in our remaining time is we have asked the question, do you really believe, do you truly believe in the resurrection of Christ or do you just acknowledge the resurrection of Christ? Use these next things to examine your own heart with a part one and a part two of the resurrection. Because we see, uh, as Wayne Grudem points out, that in his resurrection, Jesus earned for us a new life just like this. We do not receive all of that new resurrection life when we become Christians. For our bodies remain as they were, still subject to weakness, aging, and death. But in our spirits, we are made alive with new resurrection power. Paul says his goal in life is that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Philippians 3.10. Paul knew that even in this life, the resurrection of Christ gave new power for Christian ministry and obedience to God. So let us look at this resurrection part one. This resurrection part one is for us, those who have been received by Christ Jesus, who have trusted in him and put our faith in him. We trust in the resurrection. And today, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus and you trust in the resurrection, Part one begins for you. You are born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Mary were to show up and Jesus was still in the tomb, there would be no living hope. Because the tomb was empty, we have a living hope. And the only living hope that you can have while walking on this earth is through the resurrection. There is no other God to come in the flesh. There's no other person 
who has died for you and risen from the grave and defeated sin. Christ is the only one. He is the only way. Jesus said it, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Listen here, children in the room, your parents cannot be your savior. Your parents cannot be your savior. Your parents cannot stand in your place when standing before God and say, they're a good child. They're lovely. I think the world of them. I think you should receive them, God, into your kingdom. Children, your parents are not your savior. Your grandparents, as wonderful as they are and probably are spoiling you today, are not your savior. Only Jesus can be your savior. To the men in this room, your wife's not your savior. And to the women in this room, your husband's not your savior. To all men and women in the room, you can't put another person in place of Jesus. No one else has gone to the cross and risen from the grave except Christ. There's only one. His name is Jesus. And through Christ and through him shedding his blood and rising from the grave, there is hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So here's what we learn already is that you have a hope every day. When you wake up, when you woke up this morning, Christian, you had hope. You had hope that no matter what you face in the day, no matter what trials, I mean, we just read it. If you face severe trials, you still have hope. Even though if you're killed for your faith, you still have this hope that is alive and will not be disappointed. And not only that, but you have power and you're being guarded. You may not feel like you have power in your life. You may not feel that you have power because maybe you look to other people as better than you. Maybe you look to your occupation or you look to your way of living, or even the home that you live in, or the car that you drive, whatever it may be, and you say, I I don't really have a lot of power in my life. I don't have much to show for it. But yet it's not all these external things, but what's internal, it is working in us. The power of the Holy Spirit lives within you, believer. And how is this possible? Through the resurrection. It is the same Holy Spirit that awakened you to faith where you called out to Jesus. The Spirit has been with you. The Spirit holds you fast. You are guarded until the revealed time. And though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Do you have inexpressible joy, Christian, today because of the resurrection of Jesus? If you truly believe in the resurrection, you will have an inexpressible joy. Yeah, there will be plenty of times when we complain. There will be plenty of times when we don't like our circumstances. There will be plenty of times when we don't like each other. I get too honest on that one. But we still have an inexpressible joy. So this is what it means when you go to work this week and you may have a wonderful week or you may have a hard week, God knows. But when you go to work this week on Monday, you may have an amazing day. You crushed it. You go home. You're so excited about how well the day went. But yet when your head hits the pillow, this thought hits you. What about when all this is over? When all of this is over, I mean, if if I get a promotion at work and then I get another promotion and I make it all the way to the top, then what? Is all of it worth it? But what about when I die? And yet all of a sudden there's this great fear that grips your heart. Why are you afraid? Are you afraid of the uncertainty or are you afraid because you truly don't believe in the resurrection? But yet you have no other answer for what's going to happen. 
See, it's easy to say that Jesus didn't rise from the grave and that Jesus is the Lord and Jesus is the King. Okay, if you say that, then what? What is real? Is it whatever you want to believe? Because if it is whatever you want to believe, listen here closely, if it is whatever you want to believe, then here's when you lay your head on the pillow tonight and you say it's whatever you want to believe, you know who's God of your life? You are. And do you really want to be God of your life? Or do you want to trust in the one who truly created this world and you can embrace what God's word says and understand this, that when you lay your head on the pillow at the end of the workday, whether you crushed it or you felt crushed underneath all the pressure of the weight of work, you go, to God be the glory. I have this inexpressible joy. <laughs> the resurrection took place. Whether you're struggling with your family right now or you just love your family so much, you can say, to God be the glory. The resurrection took place. I have such great hope. I have such great joy. If you're a worried teenager because you're getting ready to graduate and you're going, what does college look like? What is everybody going to be at at college? And then if you're thinking, when I graduate college, I got to have that forever job, right? As soon as I graduate and walk across the stage, I need to get into my career job and have that forever. And all of a sudden you realize that career job's not there. And you go, oh no, no need to fear. Why? Because there's an inexpressible joy. Maybe you're in a relationship and that relationship didn't turn out the way you thought it would. And you may even have a hard time coming into, a, uh, into the church because you feel like all eyes are on you because you've struggled in a relationship or you feel like you failed at a relationship. Or quite honestly, maybe you did fail at a relationship and you're going, what now? You can have inexpressible joy, inexpressible joy. You see, so many times we look at our circumstances and what we can provide for ourselves and it is not there. Christian, it is all in Christ that he has risen from the grave. This is how the resurrection impacts our everyday life. When we grow in fear, we can step aside, we can kneel down, and we can look to God who provides for all areas of our life, and we can say, thank you, God, that Christ rose from the grave. If you're praying for that one to be a follower of Jesus Christ, and yet they are not following Christ yet, and fear has gripped your soul, you still in the midst of that can have inexpressible joy. You can trust that God is good. You keep praying to him. You keep reaching out to that person. You see, it impacts our everyday life. The resurrection isn't just so we get to heaven. The resurrection is so that we live as a new creation and him leaving us here, being a new creation, people can see us and see that Christ is risen because there's been such a great change in our lives. Because I'm gonna tell you, if you have that inexpressible joy, you're gonna be a different person. You don't want the Brian of 20 years ago standing up here preaching. You definitely don't want the Brian of 30 years ago standing up here and preaching. I only would have been, I would have been six years old. So still, what an attitude I had. But you get it. We have, we have passed. And yet we still, we still wrestle with these things. And even if you have a frustration, because maybe you thought when you got to 30 years of age, you would have been better than this. Or you thought when you got to 40 years of age, you would have really been rocking it for Jesus. And you thought surely by 50, you would have your act together, but yet things still seem like a mess. And you go, what do I do? You believe in the resurrection. You have inexpressible joy. Every day of your life, there is hope in Christ Jesus. It doesn't fade. It never leaves. It's always there. And you know what? When Christ comes back, he receives you. And then there is part two of our resurrection in Christ Jesus, an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Nobody can take it. Nobody can steal this joy. Nobody can steal your relationship with Jesus. Nobody can rob you of it. 
The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Christ came that we may have life and have it to the full. And if you have life in the full, the enemy has no attack on you that will give him victory. So, resurrection part two, Christ returns. And these bodies which do fail, which these bodies that get sick, these bodies that struggle, as you get a little older, you roll out of bed and you go, oh, I didn't feel that when I was 25. And then as you continue to age, the body continues to deteriorate and you go, man, I, is it worth it? Yes, it is. It is worth every day that God gives you on this earth because there will be a day when Christ returns or you die and then Christ returns and your body will be met with a new soul. And all of that is possible because of the resurrection Christ has already led the way. We have this promise. Read through 1 Corinthians 15. Be encouraged in the resurrection to come, but we will live forever. May it be clear that because we believe, we truly believe in the resurrection, we we truly believe what Christ did, we'll live forever, eternally, forever. So imagine this just for a minute. All of a sudden we say, you know what? Here is my life from this corner of the stage all the way to the end of the corner of the stage. And we get so caught up. Hey, Joe, how you doing? All right, we get so caught up with our lives, with this little bitty sliver right here. This is our life right here. Right here. This is it. This is our life on earth. And yet it seems like forever. And then it seems so short. We say things like, man, time has flown by. But when you're an eighth grader sitting in math class, you feel like it's eternity. And and so we're looking at eternity in light of our life right here. And eternity goes through the rest of the stage ongoing and on past forever. And we're so caught up right here. We're saying, God, I don't understand what you're doing right here. I don't understand why you allow all of these things that happen in my life Or I thought I'd be better than this. And he's saying, hey, resurrection part two. It never ends. It never ends. Do you think like that? Do you think like that? Do you believe that? Because if you're all caught up right here, you're, you're not, you, you have no clue about what's happening there. But that is your forever. Everybody in this room that is your forever. This is just now. What about your forever? You say, well, I hope my forever will be, you know, I can have a field of dreams, play ball all day, and you know, watch movies all night, have Netflix and anything I want to watch. That's my idea of eternity. You just can't, you can't make up what you want eternity to be. Well, man, I thought it was playing golf all day long, just enjoying, kicking back, and having a good time, man. That's how I picture eternity. It doesn't matter how you picture eternity. It doesn't matter. You're the creation. He's the creator. He has already determined what eternity is and it's heaven or it's hell. That's it. You say, man, that seems so harsh. That's why you're here today. And you were hearing the message. If you believe in the resurrection, you can have hope with Christ forever. But those who just acknowledge the resurrection and think, man, that's cool. Let me just lump it into a bunch of other beliefs so we don't offend anybody. Or you just all out reject the resurrection of Christ. Then what awaits you is, yes, an eternal lake of fire. That's what awaits you. And you may be thinking, Brian, we have guests here today. Would you mention the eternal lake of fire? An eternal lake of fire. It never stops. It's ongoing. God will never call it quits. You say, who is God to do that? He is eternal. He is righteous. He is holy. He is just. That's who God is. We're none of those things. And because we're none of those things, we fail him. And the only hope we have is in the resurrected Christ. 
Trust in Jesus today because not only does it impact your everyday knowing that you can walk with Christ Jesus and grow in Christ, part one of the resurrection, but part two, you have such a hope for all of eternity with a new heaven and a new earth. All of these things that you wish could last forever. You go on vacation and you say, man, I wish my vacation could just keep on going, but I got to come home and have a vacation from the vacation because I'm so tired when I get back. It just wasn't everything I thought it was going to be. Why? Because it's not eternal but eternity is in our hearts. We long for the eternal and know that the rest of our eternity with Christ Jesus will never end. And the inexpressible joy will exist forever. And so Mary and the women, they bought spices right at the dawn of day. They roll up there and thinking that the stone would be rolled away and it's not, and they're alarmed, they're terrified. That's what that word means. And then they're asked this question, why do you seek the living among the dead? You seek Jesus who's crucified, he is risen, he is not here. If Jesus was still there in the tomb, then they would have been, they would have had every reason to be terrified. But listen today, Christian, you have no reason to be terrified. No reason to be terrified because he wasn't in the tomb. If Jesus was still in the tomb, when Mary arrived, then she, along with everyone else who believed in Jesus would be the most pitied on earth. Why in the world would we waste our time talking about Jesus if he was still in the grave? 1 Corinthians 15, 17 through 19. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. This is what it means to be pitied. It means that the gospel has no substance. Faith is ineffective. The witnesses are liars. Sin retains its destructive and damaging control. Believers who have died are irretrievably lost. That's what it means. And we are to be pitied because we think there's hope. That's if Jesus was still in the grave. But this is not the church. And this is not what happened when they arrived The tomb was empty. And understand this, that Jesus did not suffer and die on a cross and rise from the grave so that 2,000 years later, the greatest part of resurrection day would be dressing up in pastels, searching for eggs and gorging ourselves on bunny chocolate. Although all those things are good and they can be good. Feel no conviction because you dressed up today. Be glad that you can dress up today and celebrate the resurrection of Christ. Even eating that chocolate today, mm, resurrected Christ, it's good. But all of this can be enjoyable. But if this is what this day is all about to you, apart from Christ and Christ being no part of it, then we are of all most people to be pitied. So the ones to be pitied are those who reject Christ or just acknowledge Christ. But those who believe in Christ have an inexpressible joy. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and the glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So you're going to see this up on the screen. We're going to go through it quickly, but we just mentioned this. If Jesus remained in the grave, if he remained in the grave, that means his work was not complete. And there was no one else left to accomplish his work. That is if he remained in the grave. If he remained in the grave, no one can act as mediator between us and God. You can pray all you want to, but it really is hitting the roof and coming back down. There's no one to mediate, no one for your prayers to go through. You're still enemies with God. And God's wrath will be poured out against all of us if there's no mediator. 
It also means that no one will return for us. We will die and then what? We don't even know what would happen because that means that God's promises all throughout the Old Testament failed so we can't even trust in the one we call God. And if Christ stayed in the grave, we have no hope because Christ is indeed dead. But because Jesus rose from the grave, his work on earth is finished. He sits at the right hand of the Father interceding on our behalf. So even days when we feel like our prayers are hitting the roof, they're not because Christ is interceding for us. He's saying, you may not be feeling it today, but I feel it. I came, I died for you, I rose for you. So even in your worst days, when you're calling out to the Lord and you're not feeling close to him, I'm drawing you close to him. This is how it works. I bring you close to God, the Father. So in those times in prayer, when you started out and you weren't feeling it, but by the end you felt close to God and you go, how does that happen? Jesus. Jesus. He's our mediator. That's how we can call upon God. The days you feel like he won't listen to your prayers, he'll listen to your prayers because of Jesus. And we know this, he'll return for the church. We've already said that. He will indeed return. And because Jesus rose from the grave, we have the greatest hope through this resurrection. Every day you can walk in confidence, no matter where you are in life, what you're facing, you can have the greatest hope. And this hope does lead you to further obedience because you want to obey when you recognize this great hope. And so, indeed, there is nobody like Jesus. And what do we do with this? What did he tell Mary? He said, you go and tell. You go and tell the disciples. What do we do with this message today? What do we do with our excitement about the resurrection? You know what we do with it? We go and tell. We tell other people. We tell other people who have no clue. We tell other people who have only acknowledged or we tell people who constantly reject and you say, hey, they're just rejecting Jesus. Tell them again, tell them with love, pray for them, go back and share with them again. You bring your family in, you bring your friends in. May there be a revitalization in our souls today as we celebrate the resurrection of Christ in our thinking, in our doing that we need to go and tell people about Jesus before Jesus comes back. May we be so excited that we have such great hope because so, someone loved us so much when we did not love him that we just have to go tell other people. And so in closing, remembering our cup here, see cups can be replaced. Jesus cannot be replaced. It's not enough for you to go have a conversation with someone this week and say, hey, do you believe in God? And they say, yes, I believe in God. And you walk away from that conversation thinking that they're good with God. Because it's all about Jesus bringing us to God. Especially in this culture there are many people who go, I'm fine with Jesus. Jesus is good. He's got a purpose. But yet they have many other cups that they use during the day. I mean, they, they feel comfortable because when they were young, they went to vacation Bible school. And they said that Jesus is Lord. But yet when you ask them today, are you faithfully following Jesus? The answer is no. They went on to other cups, other cups. There are cups that can be replaced. Jesus cannot be replaced. There's only one savior, one Lord, Jesus Christ. He is risen and he is risen indeed. Do you truly believe 
that Christ has risen from the grave. And if you do, it forever changes the way you live on this earth and your eternity has been forever changed. If you're wrestling with that question still and you're going, I still don't know, let me ask you this. Do you recognize that you have sinned and that because of your sin, it separates you from a holy God? And now do you recognize that your only hope is through Jesus and that you can have a relationship with Jesus just like the disciples had a relationship with Jesus and that he is the one who brings you to God the Father? Do you recognize that today? If you recognize that today, and maybe you're truly just, it's just being put together for you today for the first time and it's all making sense, call out to Christ, save me. I trust that you died for my sins. I wanna follow you, Christ. Would you call upon Jesus today? Would you be saved? Would you believe fully in the resurrection? And would you go from this place living a forever changed life? I hope so. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that we have this hope in the resurrection. And because we have this hope in the resurrection that our life here on earth is forever changed. It's not about our works, but it's all about the works of Christ. So even in our best days, we can proclaim the works of Christ. And even in our worst days, we proclaim the works of Christ. But not only in this life, but that which is to come. The part two that we see for the resurrection, that when Christ returns, we will live forever. Father, I pray that this local church will focus more on what is eternal And may they be so heavenly minded that they become of the greatest earthly good. That they're not filled with worry and anxiety and stress, frustration, sadness. Although we'll go through seasons and although there will be times to mourn, we can still rejoice with an inexpressible joy. Thank you that our lives are forever changed through the resurrection. May we believe it May we follow Christ and may we go tell others about Christ. Father, we ask now that you continue to work among us by your grace in Jesus' name, amen.